the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. We all experience trauma in one form or another. It may be at the hands of an abuser, a relationship breakup, a health diagnosis, or the death of a loved one. No one is immune. Today's guest, Dr. James Gordon, offers a comprehensive, evidence-based program for reversing the biological and psychological damage resulting from trauma, and he teaches how to learn from and grow through its challenges. Dr. Gordon is a Harvard-educated psychiatrist, former researcher at the National Institute of Mental Health, and chair of the White House Commission on Complementary and Alternative Medicine Policy. He is a clinical professor of psychiatry and family medicine at Georgetown Medical School and is the founder and executive director of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C. He has traveled the globe to bring help and healing to survivors of wars, mass shootings, and disasters, and he served as an expert for 60 Minutes, Today, Good Morning America, CNN, MSNBC, and PR, among others. He is the author of the book, The Transformation, Discovering Wholeness and Healing After Trauma. Welcome, Dr. Gordon. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Joan. It's good to be with you. So, Dr. Gordon, experiencing trauma in one form or another is a part of life, and if you live long enough, it will happen to you. As I said, no one is immune. So, you say that we can use tools of self-awareness and self-care to heal our trauma and become healthier and more whole than we've ever been. Doctor, that's empowering because sometimes when people get knocked down, they tend to stay there and they let their experience become the reality. It becomes who they are and they get stuck in the pain and the loss. And I know this firsthand because nine years ago, within a period of six months, my 23-year marriage ended, my mother and sister died, and my son left for college. And that was, um, it was a gut-wrenching loss. And, and to be honest, quite literally, it drove me to my knees. But the result of that trauma is the work that I'm doing now, which is about changing your attitude, getting your head in the game. So to heal, I became self-aware. I turned the pain around and I used it as a means for self-growth. And I'm a different person today than who I was. So I share that with you because I wanted you to know that I'm an example of everything that this conversation will be about. So let's start off by talking about trauma and its impact on us emotionally and physically, the biology of trauma. What happens in the body when we go through something traumatic? Well, it's uh, listening to you talk about your own experience, I think is first of all important to emphasize that there is potentially this natural process of healing and growth through trauma. Mm -hmm. And that that's available to all of us, to everyone of all ages. So, and your example is such a beautiful one. What happens essentially when we go through a period, and the one you described is very significant losses and pain that comes with them, is there are two basic biological reactions that we have. One is we go into fight or flight, Uh, even though the threat may be emotional rather than physical. The way our brains and our nervous system work, it's as if there's a predator. Um, And the threat could have been from a loss, a disappointment, death, the kinds of things that you describe. But it's as if we're dealing with a predator. And so our heart rate goes up, 
our blood pressure goes up, we put out more blood sugar, big muscles get tense and ready to fight or run away. Parts of our brain responsible for fear and anger start firing more frequently, and parts of our brain that are responsible for decision-making and self-awareness and compassion are not so much in play because it's a life-or-death situation or it feels that way to us. And so that reaction, that fight-or-flight reaction, is natural and potentially life-saving. The problem is not with the reaction, but when it persists. And I think you mentioned this, when it goes on and it becomes the ongoing story of our life, when, that we continue to be fearful, anxious, hypervigilant, easily irritated, not thinking so clearly, tense in our muscles, blood pressure up, blood sugar up. That's what can happen if we don't resolve the trauma that's come to us. And that's what happens very, very often for people here in the United States and all over the world. The other reaction that happens uh, when the trauma is overwhelming and inescapable, when fight or flight won't do you any good because you can't fight and you can't go anywhere. For example, if, uh, if we've been assaulted by people who are exerting overwhelming force or if we've been raped or if we're trapped in the middle of a war zone. And sometimes it happens when there's a loss that we can't do anything about either. Is that? And you said something about being brought to your knees, and that's the kind of response you sometimes have. I had that response at one point myself. It just it's called the freeze response, and it's a kind of collapse. And we put out uh, endorphins to kind of protect ourselves against the pain, and we detach ourselves emotionally. We're just too overwhelmed. And the difficulty for us, again, that response can be life-saving. Uh, if you think about a, um, a mouse that your pet cat catches and the cat grabs, I'm, I used to have four cats around, the cat would catch the mouse in its mouth and shake it from side to side. The mouse goes totally limp. And sometimes because the mouse is not fighting back and not doing much of anything interesting, the cat loses interest puts the mouse down, Mousy shakes herself off and runs back to her mouse hole. So the freeze response is potentially, in some instances, a life-saving response. And if we're overwhelmed by pain, it, it protects us a bit from the pain. But here again, the problem is if the freeze response persists and persists and we become physically tight and tense, shut down emotionally, withdrawn from other people. So one of the ways to look at the effects of trauma are that these two biological reactions are continued traumatic events forward and they become the dominant forces in our lives. And that's is what we have to deal with. Doctor, when I went through all of my loss, I did not seek professional help because of my fear that they would initially want to medicate me. I knew that there were very real grief issues at the root of the problem that I needed to work through. And I'm not sure if that was the best approach or not, but it worked for me. A common approach when people seek help is to go to a doctor. And oftentimes, they see this issue as an emotional problem that's a brain disorder and requires pharmaceuticals as treatment. And, and I want to say, in some cases, drugs are absolutely required. And, and I want to, you know, really drive that point home. But with that said, is it possible that so many people are in need of drug intervention? Aren't we simply masking the root of the problem? I, I think you're, you're correct. It's, uh, it's really more than it is some masking the root, but it's not addressing the root, which is, which is really more important. It's not looking at what's going on. And it's also not respecting the natural reparative capacities that are there in each person. So I would see medication not as a first choice, but as a last resort, because medication has, has a number of side effects that are unpleasant and sometimes somewhat disabling. So the first thing really is to, and the, the program that I describe in the transformation is to begin to deal with these two very powerful ongoing biological reactions, quieting ourselves uh, first, quieting that fight or flight response. So if you simply learn to sit quietly and breathe deeply and the technique uh, that I teach is a kind of non-denominational meditation, soft belly breathing, breathing slowly and deeply in through your nose and out through your mouth, 
with your belly soft and relaxed. If you do that and you're focusing on the breath and you're focusing on the word soft and belly and you're feeling your belly relax, you're quieting the fight or flight response. In fact, you're creating an antidote to the fight or flight response. Blood pressure will go down. Heart rate will go down. Muscles will start to relax. Digestion will start to function more efficiently. Areas of the brain, particularly the amygdala, which is part of the emotional brain responsible for fear and anger, activity will quiet there. And there will be more activity in the frontal part of our cerebral cortex and the areas responsible for judgment and self-awareness and compassion. And it'll be easier to connect with other people because one of the things that happens when we're traumatized and we experience these losses is not only are we in a state of anxiety and agitation and, and worry and tension, but we're also uh, have difficulty reaching out to other people. So simply breathing slowly and deeply on a regular basis, three, five minutes, three, four times a day can make a huge difference. It can reverse the damage that's done by the fight or flight. And there's a good deal of research that's been published on how meditation, this is a kind of concentrative meditation, concentrating on the breath, on the words soft belly and on the feeling in your body, that that can not only improve brain functioning in all the areas I mentioned, it can also actually rebuild the brain. We can grow new cells in our frontal cortex and in an important area of the brain, the emotional brain called the hippocampus, which is responsible for some parts of memory and helps to mediate the stress response. So that's the first thing that we should be doing. And so that kind of breathing also begins to balance out the neurotransmitters that, um, that the antidepressants are aimed at increasing. So it, the, it just makes sense. The first rule of our medicine comes from the founder of Western medicine, Hippocrates, which is first do no harm. So why not begin with meditation and see what the result is and only use medication as a last resort? Second technique that I'll mention very briefly is to begin to use approaches that help us to unfreeze, that help that we need to start moving our bodies. So any kind of movement, any kind of exercise can help us move through trauma. And we know that active aerobic exercise, exercise that burns oxygen, that uh, gets our bodies moving, gets us sweating, that that can definitely raise the very same neurotransmitters that the antidepressant drugs are aimed at raising. Plus, it can also help us release endorphins. So we have the feeling, we feel calmer from the serotonin, and I'm simplifying a bit, we have more energy and more focus from the dopamine that comes from exercise, and we feel more peaceful from the endorphins that are released. So I encourage, as a way of dealing with trauma, moving your body. And there's a tremendous amount of evidence showing the benefits of physical exercise. And then I also suggest that techniques called expressive meditations, like shaking and dancing or fast, deep breathing and, and moving the body that not only give us the benefits of physical exercise, but start to break up those fixed mental and emotional patterns, the fixed patterns of you know going over in your mind how terrible the experience was or blaming yourself for what happened. So these are two ways that, that are really important to begin with to bring us back into balance and to jumpstart the whole healing process and to open us to all the other techniques, uh, I'm sure many of which you spontaneously used, and the, the 20 or 25 that I describe in the transformation that can all contribute to our healing from trauma. But we need to put ourselves into balance. Doctor, one of the other techniques that you write about in your book is the importance of imagery to healing. Why does using our imagination help with the healing process? What happens in the brain? Well, what happens when we're feeling traumatized is there are images that we are creating spontaneously that are usually the images of loss, the images of hurt, the images of pain, uh, images of a future that's shadowed by the past. And so what we do is very simply create images that are an alternative, uh, if you will, a, a different narrative. Images have enormous power, physiological power. So, for example, 
if I imagine that I'm seeing you, the same areas of my brain are activated uh, as would be if I were actually in the room looking at you. Mm-hmm. And similarly, if I imagine that I'm hearing Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the same areas of my brain are going to be activated as I imagine those chords. So one of the very simple uses of making use of this a blessing that our brain gives us, the, the sort of the power of our imagination, is to uh, sit quietly for a few minutes and to imagine that you're in a safe place. And I've seen this be so calming and so soothing to people, even in the middle of wars. They imagine for five, ten minutes that they're somewhere else or that the war is over and they're sitting in their house peacefully. And there are major positive benefits, physiological benefits that come from using this imagery. We can also use imagery in more even more targeted ways to decrease pain, improve immune functioning, decrease anxiety, help us with performance. All of those uses, imagery is an enormously powerful tool. And I also uh, teach not only how to use the safe place imagery, but how to use imagery to solve the challenges and problems that come up in our lives by imagining going to that safe place and imagining that in that safe place, we meet a wise guide, which is a representation of, call it what you want, our imagination, our intuition, our unconscious. In some cultures, they believe it's a representative from the spirit world. However you want to conceive of this wise guide, who could be a person, could be a wise old woman or a wise old man or a child, could be an animal, could be a scene uh, from nature. If you have a dialogue with that guide, And I know this may seem improbable to some of the people who are listening, but what's amazing is almost always that dialogue will yield answers. All you have to do is say to whatever guide appears and take whatever guide first appears to you, what should I do about X, Y, or Z? And a dialogue will start to unfold. And it's a dialogue between our conscious mind And that part of our mind that has not yet come into consciousness, the imaginative, intuitive, unconscious part of our mind. And answers come up that don't come to our rational mind. And especially when we're in a state of anxiety after we've experienced a loss or other kinds of trauma, we're just going over the same things over and over again. And maybe we're making lists and we're evaluating everything. But this brings answers from a whole other region of this great brain that we have that's there to to serve us and heal us. And doctor, what's so wonderful about what you're saying and, and what you write about in the body of your work is that you're teaching us just how powerful we are. Because as I said, when you go through these types of experiences, you tend to feel like a victim, that you're helpless and, and really nothing can be further from the truth. Exactly. That's beautifully said, because each of these techniques, and as I said, I teach there may be 20, 25 different techniques. Each has its own benefits, and all of them are grounded in the reality that we have the power to make change, that that's that we have a control that we have forgotten that we have. And each one reminds us that we can make a difference in how we feel. And as you say, one of the worst things after we've solved a trauma of any kind is we feel helpless and hopeless. And doing any of these techniques, aside from the specific benefits, gives us that message. You can help yourself and it's not hopeless. The possibility is there for all of us and we don't realize it. And I, I don't emphasize this. And you said it so well. Was also that we do feel like we can't do anything. And once we start seeing that we can do something to change how we feel, we may not be able to bring back the lost one or stop the violence in our community, but we can do something about ourselves and how we feel. One of the things I did, doctor, that really helped was I started to write in a gratitude journal. I got tired of feeling so sad about everything. So I said that every night before I would go to sleep, I would write down a few things for which I was grateful. And my plan was to write five things. And to be honest, when I started, I didn't even think I could come up with five things. But surprisingly, before long, 
I would start writing and, and I would write and write and write. And all of these things for which I was grateful for would just pour out of me. And I did this every night because I wanted it to be the last thing that my brain focused on before I went to sleep. Is this a good practice? Is an attitude of gratitude helpful in the healing process? Uh, I think it's wonderful. And I, I love what you're saying about doing doing it the last thing in the evening. So it's what you fall asleep with this uh, with this feeling of gratitude and with very specific examples. There's been a lot of research done on uh, people who keep gratitude journals. And whether it's three things or five things, or if you decide to write in your journal in the morning rather than the evening, it works. It helps to decrease symptoms of physical illness, it improves mood, decreases levels of anxiety. It's a very powerful form of medicine, and it's beautiful that you found it for yourself. And I, I recommend it to, uh, to everybody to experiment with. And, I, and again, like, like you, uh, there are many, many people who've also experienced those, those kinds of benefits. Because what it's doing is uh, you're reaffirming your investment in the world. Yes, something terrible may have happened, but there are also things that are going on in your life that, that really do give you pleasure, that do um, make you glad to be alive. And the Gratitude Journal, uh, it's good to think about those things and even better to write them down because that gives them even more reality. And doctor, even if someone chooses to go the medication route, can your science-based techniques still be implemented and, and what type of an impact could that have? So if, if you do go on medication, Again, once again, become aware of what are the benefits, as you would with any technique. What are the benefits? What are the downside? And that's something that you have to judge for yourself. And you can use all of these techniques. Many of the people I've worked with and many of the people I describe in the transformation, at least in the beginning of their working with me, they were on medication. And many of them, over time, were able to go off the medication or lower the dose. One thing you do have to be aware of, though, is that if you start doing some of these techniques, even doing quiet meditation like soft belly breathing, you may need less medication, that the amount of medication that you've been prescribed that was working well for you may be too much because the medication was prescribed to uh, improve neurotransmitters or decrease anxiety, you're, and you're on your using these techniques, the ones that are in the transformation, you're already improving the levels of neurotransmitters. You're already decreasing anxiety. So you have to be careful about the dose and consult your physician about that. And the same, I would add, is also true if you're on medication for high blood pressure or uh, type 2 diabetes or pain medication or for some medication for sleep. You may not need as much as you did uh, when you began to use these techniques. So just check in with your doctor and let let your doctor know what you're doing because it's important and it, and it does work on your physiology. Dr. Gordon, to sum it up, what would you like to leave our listeners with regarding the power that we have within to heal? Well, I think the first thing is what you said in the beginning is that the trauma which is a Greek word that means injury, is going to come to all of us sooner or later in our lives. And that we all have the capacity to create programs of trauma healing and not only to heal from the trauma and to bring ourselves back into physiological and psychological and social balance, connection with other people, but we also, as we begin to use this uh, approach that I that I describe in detail in the transformation, we become open to whole other possibilities, possibilities of ways to find fulfillment that we might never even have imagined before we experience the trauma. This is a very uh, ancient understanding. All of, uh, all of the great religions understand this. All Aboriginal people that I know of around the planet understand this. The trauma, as painful as it is, is also the soil in which we grow and in which wisdom grows and in which change can happen. And, and you describe that so beautifully in, in your own life. So I, I think everybody needs to understand both sides of it. The trauma is going to come sooner or later, that we can meet the challenge that each of us can do that no matter what our age is or our 
socioeconomic status, and that we can grow as we meet the challenge that trauma brings us. The book is The Transformation, Discovering Wholeness and Healing After Trauma. If you would like to get more information about Dr. Gordon and his work, you can visit jamesgordonmd.com. Dr. Gordon, in our final moments, you will be at the New York Open Center with Dr. Mehmet Oz on Thursday, October 3rd. What can you tell us about that event? Well, I think people, I think you really enjoy the event. Mehmet Oz and I are, are good friends. We really enjoy talking to each other, uh, exploring new areas. We have that very much in common, exploring new areas of health and healing. And I think it's going to be a really fascinating conversation because uh, for most of his career, Mehmet was a, a, a world-renowned, and still is, world-renowned cardiac surgeon. So he's dealt with all the trauma that comes with people who are, you know, suffered uh, significant damage to their heart and who go through this very strenuous procedure. And he's lived in an environment, a hospital environment, where there's so much trauma around. So I think we're going to have a really interesting conversation about what happens in healthcare and what happens... Tell us what happens in trauma in our communities. And I know that he's also very interested in the work that we're doing with psychological trauma in war zones after climate-related disasters. So we'll be exploring some of the experiences that, that I've had and some of his observations about what happens after hurricanes and what happens after school shootings and how it's possible for whole communities to use the kind of approach that I've described in the transformation to heal themselves. So I, I think it's going to be far-ranging evening. It's going to be, uh, there'll be science, references to plenty of science, but also I think it's going to be very personal. And uh, and I hope it will be fun for everyone. I'm looking, I always enjoy talking with Mehmet. And uh, I, I think that ever, anyone who comes is going to enjoy the evening. And if you come, you're going to get a book. If you come, uh, you're going to get a copy of The Transformation as part of the price of admission. And there's an opportunity to ask questions and connect with both of us. So I look forward to seeing as many listeners as possible. So again, that's Thursday, October 3rd at the New York Open Center. Dr. Gordon, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your evidence-based program for reversing the biological and psychological damage that results from trauma. You offer hope that we can learn from and grow through its challenges. So thank you for spending time with us. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much, Joan. I've enjoyed it myself. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Are you tired of prescription drugs and surgery as the only options available for your pain? I was too, but after working for over 20 years in the pharmaceutical industry, that was all I knew. My name is Janice Coviello. For years, I've been living with knee pain and discomfort every time I did something active, even walking. But after eight knee surgeries, countless bottles of Advil, and hyaluronic acid injections, I was desperate for relief. My doctors told me a knee replacement was my only option. To avoid another surgery, I found another solution, a transdermal gel known for reducing joint pain, faster recovery from injuries, enhancing strength, and promoting natural tissue repair. I started using the gel with amazing results. For the first time in 17 years, I could run without Advil. In addition, I sleep better and have so much more energy. But just don't take my word for it. Give it a try. Learn more about my journey and this amazing gel by visiting JaniceCoviello.com. Calm, vitality, mindfulness. We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain. Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets. New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life. 
Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information. Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs. Find your center at 30th and Madison. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. An intention is the starting point of a dream or a goal, but how do we turn that intention into a reality? Joining us today to talk about the power of intention is Lynn McTaggart. Lynn is an international best-selling author and speaker who is consistently voted one of the world's top 100 spiritual leaders for her groundbreaking work with consciousness and the power of intention. Welcome, Lynn. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So, Lynn, intention is generally viewed as a determination that propels a person to succeed. How do you define an intention? What most people think is that intention is the big power thought. And we think that, and that's the only thing the universe hears. Let's say we do it with our morning meditation. We send out our intention. And that's all the universe hears. But the science shows us that thoughts are energy and that we are emitting this energy all the time. And I do loads of exercises with people on my workshops and my master classes to demonstrate that other people are hearing their thoughts all the time. So, you know, all those judgments you hold, all that negative self-talk you do, all of your angry tapes, every last mendacious thought you have, that becomes an intention. And together, it all becomes your life's intention. So it's your thinking narrative that is also your intention. In your book, The Field, you reveal that the human mind and body are not separate from their environment, but a packet of pulsating power constantly interacting with this vast energy sea. What does that mean in regard to how we live our daily life? Well, what we have to understand is that we are connected. You know, we have proceeded from the idea that we are separate and lonely individual things on a separate and lonely planet in a separate and lonely universe. But the new evidence shows that we're all connected across the cosmos. And that essentially changes everything. You know, we have to stop living life like life is I win, you lose. It's a race to the finish line. We have to understand that our thoughts have power to affect other people and that also thoughts are, you know, as I like to say, things that affect other things. So once we recognize that, then we can also start thinking about and start behaving a lot differently, that people are hearing what we're thinking all the time. There's a couple of things. We're in connection with all information at all times. And this really changes what we can access in the world, but also what people are accessing about us. I mean, one of the things that I'm most interested in is this idea of thoughts and that they're things that affect other things. And also, I'm very interested in what happens when loads of people are thinking the same thought at the same time. I mean, that was really what came out of the field for me is, okay, so what does this mean? How far can we take this? Are we talking about just a subtle shift of a quantum particle or are we talking about curing cancer with our thoughts? So that's what I wanted to explore and I did with the intention experiment. I decided by that time when the field came out, well, okay, I've got a lot of readers out there and by then I knew a lot of scientists involved in consciousness research. So I thought if I just put them together, I'm going to have the biggest global laboratory in the world and that's exactly what I did. I tried to test the power of intention in groups, in large groups, by setting up well-controlled studies with these scientists who would put these together every so often, and then I would invite my readers around the world to send an intention to some health target or some target, whatever it was that we were setting up. And I didn't expect it was going to work very well, but we've run 33 of these experiments to date. 
and everything from trying to make seeds grow faster to purifying water to lowering violence in war-torn areas to trying to heal somebody of post-traumatic stress disorder. And of those 33, 29 have shown measurable, positive, mostly significant effects. By collectively setting an intention in a group, you were able to do the things that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. We are all creating energy with every thought, and there seems to be some amplification of that energy in a group. And is there a specific process that must be done when setting an intention? Yes. Um, I studied how intention was used from everything from intention masters to master athletes who use mental rehearsal all the time and distilled all of their common elements into a simple program I call Powering Up. So there's about 13 keys to this, um, which I mentioned in the Power of Eight. Just to go into one, common mistake is to send very general intentions out, like I want to be rich. Most people don't really want to be rich. What they want is actually a new job. They want more time with their children or grandchildren or to pursue a hobby. Uh, They don't necessarily want more stuff. They just want freedom. So it's really important to set an intention and to say what it is you want. Ask the universe for exactly what you want, when you want it, how much you want, etc. And, you know, if you're going to send an intention for health, and your big toe of your right foot is hurting and you want to alleviate that, you say, my intention or our intention in the case of a group is that Jane Doe's be completely free of all pain in the big toe of her right foot. So you you need to be very, very specific. That's a really important thing. So then once we set an intention, what do we do then? The basics of it, it is a very highly focused mind state, rather like attending with every bone of your body, with all of your five senses. So meditation tends to be a relax and just a focus away from the senses. This is a focus into the senses and into visualizing the person being healthy and well or whatever it is you're trying to achieve. And you send the intention out through your heart. And so those are the basic rudimentaries of it. But there's a lot of nuance and detail that I talk about in in The Power of Eight. The book is The Power of Eight, Harnessing the Miraculous Energies of a Small Group to Heal Others, Your Life, and the World. If you'd like to get more information about this or Lynn and her work, you can visit lynnmctaggart.com. Lynn, thank you so much for joining us and for teaching us about the power we have through intention for helping others and for achieving what we desire. As you said, our thoughts are truly powerful. So thank you for sharing what you've learned with us. Great. It's been nice chatting with you. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Most of us desire to create a life of ease, joy, good health, and prosperity. But what do you do when you face challenges along your path? What do you do to overcome stress, anxiety, or fear? Hi, my name is Ori D'Amato, and I'm a certified reflexologist practicing in holistic therapy of mind, body, and soul. My sessions include divine and angels-guided healing. I'm here to help you feel better, happier, and healthier. Living well begins with taking care of and loving yourself. You have the immeasurable divine power within you to bring forth healing and well-being in all areas of your life. Holistic therapy is a way in which I can assist you in doing so. In these sessions, I can help you to release the mental, physical, and spiritual blockages that may be the underlying causes of your fears, anxieties, worries, or illness. This can be done by phone or in person at the center where I practice in Homedale, New Jersey. As a suggestion, one way to help send healing energy throughout your body is to lightly tap the top of your head with three fingers. This is Aura D'Amato, and you can find more information on my website at auradamato.com, spelled A-U-R-A-D-A-M-A-T-O.com, where you can contact me at 732-224-8441. What else can thermography detect in your body? Hi, I'm Lisa Mack, certified clinical thermographer and founder of Lisa's Thermography and Wellness. Thermography can access heart function and may indicate inflammation in the carotid arteries, which may be a precursor to stroke and blood clots. When inflammation or occlusion of the carotid is visible, your doctor may do additional testing. Thermography may help indicate early signs of arthritis, neck and back pain. Thermal pain patterns light up white and red hot on the skin in the involved area. Dental issues, TMJ, gum disease, or an infected tooth will show up on the thermal scan white or red hot. 
sinus issues and headaches, significant heat in your forehead or sinuses region revealed on the thermal scan may be indicator that these systems in your body are not functioning correctly. Immune dysfunction, fibromyalgia, and chronic fatigue. The immune system correlates to T1 and T2 areas of your spine. High levels of heat in that region may indicate immune dysfunction. On the other hand, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and aching joints are just a few complaints that correlate to the cool patterns seen in that area. Carpal tunnel syndrome. This condition is often misdiagnosed. For instance, you may think you have CTS, yet the scan shows your neck is the referring pain from a different affected area. Digestive disorders, irritable bowel syndrome, diverticulitis, and Crohn's disease are often visible with thermography. With all these great benefits of thermography, it may sound complicated, but it's not. We create energetic patterns in places we occupy the most, like our homes and workplaces. What most people don't know is that these energetic patterns affect our lives on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. Imagine what type of energetic patterns are released from couples when a divorce is in the mix. Usually, there are a lot of arguments compounded with sadness and fear. If one of the couples remains in the home after the divorce, those energetic patterns are embedded into their surroundings, including the walls, furniture, and even the bed they both slept on. If the other moves out, the furnishings they take with them are still carrying the energetic patterns from the relationship. During this time, the best way to move forward in your personal environment is to have your space professionally cleared with the intention of healing on all levels. Next, take inventory of the furnishings you are keeping. This is a good time to get rid of any remaining items that bring you sadness or unpleasant memories. Now, it's time to make a home for you and your things. As you start your new single life over, begin to remember what makes you happy. What makes your heart sing? What are your passions? You can start by surrounding yourself with the elements that support your creativity and passions. Remember, this is your space and your time. Your space should reflect who you are. Starting your life over can be a cathartic experience. Embrace the moment and make it count. This is Roxanne D'Angelo, a feng shui and space clearing consultant. If you would like more information, you could reach me on the web at crystalclearenergies.com or call 201-615-0960. Do you believe that there can be a silver lining from tragedy and that blessings come in disguise? Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Your attitude determines how you view a situation and how you move through it. A tragedy is defined as an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress. We understand the meaning of those words. However, I believe the important component is how we view the situation. What may be a tragedy to one person is nothing more than a bump in the road to another. And while we can agree that events such as death, divorce, or job loss create less than desirable circumstances, each can be viewed and handled differently from one person to the next. The key is that person's outlook. There are people who see the glass half full in all situations and others who see it as half empty. We have a choice about how we view what occurs in our life and that choice determines how we will transition through a tragic experience. So how can you get through a tragedy? Recognize that you have a choice in the situation. We often believe that we are a victim of circumstance and that this will be our lot in life. We think that we will never recover. The key to moving on is to know that you have the power to change the situation. No matter how devastating the circumstance, you have the power to get through it. You are not a victim. The choice is yours. Never suppress your feelings. Hurt, sadness, and grief are all normal emotions and they should be felt. The problem occurs when you allow yourself to stay stuck when you assume the role of victim. Get help if you cannot do it by yourself. Read books and seek information that can help you get your head in the game. Reach out to friends and loved ones. Isolation can make the situation worse. And seek professional assistance if you're overwhelmed, depressed, or have suicidal thoughts. Remember, you're not alone and you have a choice. How we experience our life comes from how we view what we experience. As Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Thanks for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. We all want to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. 
Coach on Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Harriet Cabelli, a social worker and positive psychology coach who helps people grow through their challenges and rebuild their lives with renewed meaning and joy. Harriet is here today to discuss post-traumatic growth. Welcome, Harriet. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Jones. Great to be here. So, Harriet, we hear a lot about PTS, which is post-traumatic stress, but there's a concept called PTG, post-traumatic growth. Can you explain PTG to us? Yes, and it's an exciting term because it gives a lot of hope to people who have gone through a lot of trauma or loss or any different type of adversity. Post-traumatic growth was actually coined in the 1990s from professors out of a college in North Carolina. It has become popular now with the whole resilience movement and the whole concept of people having strengths and being able to really build on their, on their um, resiliency muscles. So post-traumatic growth is an, the idea that positive change and transformation can come out as a result of challenge and adversity. In other words, where people who've gone through tough situations not only bounce back, which would be being resilient, but actually take what they've gone through and move forward and create something more and better beyond the loss and the pain. And it's very hopeful and it gives people the idea that I don't just have to be stuck in my, let's call it post-traumatic stress, that there, there can be something more to work towards. Harriet, everything that you just described is the story of my life. The work I'm doing, everything, having this conversation is the aftermath of tremendous loss and challenges. So what do you believe are some of the things that people can aspire to or hope for as an outgrowth of loss or adverse circumstances? Again, out of this concept came five areas of potential growth that were uncovered by um, these two professors out of um, North Carolina. And uh, I'll just explain briefly what they are because they're, they're pretty general and they've done research studies showing that these are the main areas where people have basically grown and doesn't mean that everyone does and it doesn't mean we all grow in all of those areas and it, and it doesn't mean everybody does grow there is this new this this concept that you can and i think that's the part that really needs to be stressed that we can channel our pain into something positive beyond what we've been through so the five areas are new opportunities and possibilities that might, that could emerge from loss and from from deep pain and challenges if we're if we're willing to seek them out and and know that there are possibilities our relationships can can go to a deeper better level because we develop more compassion and empathy based on on the pain and the struggle that we've been through we can then put out more of that towards others because we have felt so deeply pained that we're then able to be more empathic towards others in their pain. There's an increase in a, in a kind of a self-confidence of strength that, wow, if I was able to go through this, then I, you know, hopefully I can, I can meet other challenges. So that increase in confidence that I can do it. And another huge one is we develop a greater appreciation for life. In other words, we don't take things for granted. We savor and revel more in the beauty, in every little opportunity. There is a much deeper sense of, of joy and appreciation for the smaller things, shall we say. And last is spiritual and one's belief system. And in that category goes the idea of developing new meaning, or as I like to say, repurposing our lives after something difficult that's befallen us, we then seek out new meaning and new purpose. And what are we going to do um, with what we've had to deal with that goes beyond ourselves, that we can in ways give back, that are transcending. And, and for some people, it means looking 
anew at maybe religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs or something bigger than ourselves, a greater power perhaps that's gotten us through it and we become more hooked in there. So just in general, these are the five big areas where people can grow and 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 hopefully know that it's 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 available and a lot of times it's not so obvious like on the outside where people can say oh i've started this organization because you know of this loss or i've i've written this book or whatever it may not be as overt and obvious and external but a lot of times people go through these inner shifts these inner transformations that allow for living better, living with a stronger sense of urgency, living with a greater sense of appreciation, again, living with deeper values and meaning. I think the big takeaway here is the idea that post-traumatic growth is a positive outcome. Harriet, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about post-traumatic growth or Harriet and her work, you can visit RebuildLifeNow.com. And as always, to hear more from Harriet, you can visit our website, CYACYL.com slash Harriet. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, CYACYL.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.